This is the Instant Speed Podcast. We're on episode 23. And yes, this one is brought to you by FabDB.net. It is your premier source for deck building tools, collection management, and simulated booster drafting. Upgrade your account at FabDB.net. Get access to all the features. Bring your game to the next level, FabDB. Today's guest is Matt Rogers. Yes, that Matt Rogers, the world number one, is going to be joining us. But first, we get to the facts. Not too many facts coming around this time, but there is a new Flesh and Blood product coming in April. Yeah, it was leaked and teased a little bit here uh, in an article piece, as you can see right here on your screen. Basically, it's a one versus one, kind of like a pre-con starter deck thing going on here where the two heroes are facing off against each other. A nice balanced little 1v1. It's Rhynar versus Dorinthia. And the cool part about this is that both of the heroes are going to be given the cold foil treatment and the weapons will be getting the cold foil treatment as well. Not too bad. That one's coming out in April of 2022. How about this, friends? Instant Speed Podcast has a Patreon. Yes, your support goes miles, friends, and we are very, 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 very thankful for all the support that we've got in the past six months since we started off on this journey, and we will never hide anything behind a paywall. I'm telling you, we want to make sure that you get the content, but your support goes miles. There's a lot of people in the back here that are pushing buttons and pulling levers to make sure that this show is as well produced and well put together as possible. Your support goes miles. There's two tiers that you can get. There's the standard producer tier and the friend of the show tier. I'm just making up these titles, but there's two tiers. The basic tier is going to get you your thanks, like our first three patrons. That would be Mitch, Andy, and Tiger's Den. So thank you for supporting the show, and uh, you'll get your name in the credits. And the second tier, well, that'll get you a guaranteed shot at a go-again question. So every episode, you can submit a question, and we'll jam it into the go-again segment, as well as you entry into our weekly giveaway for prizes and swag from BCW Supplies. Much like this bad boy here. Yeah, that's part of the prize pack. So every month, we're giving something away to those Tier 2 patrons. Thank you so much, again, for supporting the show. It means the world. How about the winner of the golden ticket? Yeah. ISP had a contest going last week where we were going to award one golden ticket to the calling in Indianapolis. What does that entail? Well, it's basically free entry into anything you want. So the contest was out there. We got a bunch of entrants into it. And as you can see here by the video, no shenanigans. It was a 10-time randomization of the list. And the name that was on top after 10 randomizations was going to be the winner. And that winner was Austin Yost. As you see here, the video evidence. (laughs) Just so you know, there's no tomfoolery. That's basically how it goes. Friends, no tomfoolery happening with our guest. That would be Matt Rogers. He joins us on the Instant Speed Podcast, brought to you by FabDB.net and BCW Supplies. Well, we're approaching that last chance for romance time of day, ladies and gentlemen, as the ProQuest season is slowly dwindling down. You maybe have another shot at the can here, but you need a list. Go to FabDB.net. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of great lists there that might inspire you, but you probably want to do it yourself, right? You want to get in there, get nasty, get dirty, get into that sandbox and start building. Create your own list at FabDB.net. Upgrade your account. Get access to all the cool features, collection map management, booster drafting, but more than that, tweak and tinker with your masterpiece. Build the deck that you need, get the statistics on it, and start playing around. And when you're all done, go to the settings, print the list, send it over to your email, and then you'll have the cleanest deck list. Get prepared, upgrade your account. You will not regret it. 
The Instant Speed Podcast welcomes a true rock star, if there ever was one in the flesh and blood world. Yes, he is the multiple-time champion, but he is also the world number one ranked player. This is New Zealand's own chosen son, Matt Rogers. Welcome to ISP, Matt. Hey, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's exciting to be here. Well, I'm glad that I can, uh, you know, inject a little uh, joy to your life here. I mean, you are in Las <laughs> Vegas right now. I am in Las Vegas. There is a lot of joy being injected right now. This is, uh, <laughs> this is a cool place to be. Really, really cool place to be. It's got to be. I mean, you were there at the call, like the very first calling in Las Vegas, right? No, I actually wasn't. Um, so uh, due to COVID restrictions in New Zealand, I wasn't able to get over for the first calling. Um, but I definitely made sure I attended the rest of them. <laughs> okay, yeah, you were definitely there making a, a splash for sure. And you're going to be in, uh, I believe you're going to be in Indianapolis. That's why you're in the States right now, right? Uh, actually, I'm in the States uh, for a couple of things. Uh, so for PCG over here in Las Vegas, uh, coming in and checking in with the staff and the management and kind of doing a little bit of work on some future initiatives and stuff that we're doing. And then I'm going over to the Gamma Trade Show uh, in Reno next week. Um, uh, so that's like the Game Makers Association show. Uh, and then uh, and then hitting Indy and then heading home from there. So that's a it's long, gonna be, definitely a yeah. long journey. And you're going to be coming back, I guess, for, for Pro Tour. But we're going to be talking yeah, all about Pro yeah. Tour. We're going to be talking about PCG, everything over there. But the first thing I got to talk to you about, my friend, is as always, anytime there's a first comer on the show, we got to hit a little bit about that origin story. You've got the, okay. you've got serious hero vibes to you, my friend. Everyone cheers for you. You're a fan favorite for sure, Matt. But uh, we got to talk about a little bit about you know your origin story, how you got to where you are today with Flesh and Blood, your your humble beginnings in the in the card world, all the way up to being the world number one ranked player. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. I guess I, I haven't actually been asked this this uh, this question on stream before, but it's an it's an interesting one, actually. Well, I mean, not super interesting, but it involves it involves another another big hero character uh, that, that that everybody will know, and it involves another uh, another card game, which I'm sure everybody will know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess taking right back uh, through school uh, and uni, I used to play a lot of chess. Um, I was very competitive at chess uh, and uh, a few of the guys that I played chess with also played magic um, and uh, just just sort of casually um, kitchen table style uh, and uh, yeah I sort of um, they showed you know uh, uh, showed me the game it was interesting I got into it a little bit played some some kitchen table MTG um, and then um, I, I lived up north um, north of Auckland uh, in New Zealand in a, in a smaller town uh, where not a whole lot of things happened um, but then there was uh, a point where uh, a man called James White. Uh, <laughs> I have heard of him. Yes, <laughs> you, you have heard of heard of him. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he announced that he was coming up to Whangarei to run a little magic tournament for us. Um, you know, and so for me and my small community of uh, uh, kitchen table players up there were like, "Oh, this is so cool! Like this, um, this person's going to just come up to our small town and run this magic tournament." So we all got to, you know, order order some 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 better decks or some cards and stuff and put together and try to be competitive and stuff um yeah so uh yeah he 
James came up and ran this tournament, um, uh, which I won, and I was very proud of that and very happy. And and then uh, James invited me to come and play some some Auckland events. Um, and you know, we uh, so for a little while we started to do you know um, some car trips up to Auckland for these events that James would put on. I'd come up and see him, and he'd sort of you know talk to me about magic and competitive and all of this sort of stuff, and saw a little bit of promise in me. And uh, I used to I <laughs> we used to joke around behind his back and sort of call James sensei and, and stuff. This was a, about uh, like somewhere between 15 and 20 years ago. This is a long time ago. Oh, wow. Uh, but- yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So James pretty much got me into competitive magic and kind of having a go at that and and trying and and um, yeah, I started to play a lot of the regular events. Uh, I eventually moved to Auckland, um, and uh, yeah, became a very competitive magic player. Uh, I represented New Zealand at Worlds uh, four times. I played uh, eleven pro tours um, and did quite well on the local scene, but never quite got there. I had I had some pretty good pro tour finishes. Uh, um, you know, I, I went, uh, I think nine, one and constructed in one of them and, uh, but with not so great limited records and then really good and limited with not so great constructive records. So I had a lot of near misses, um, but didn't quite make top eight of a, of a magic pro tour. And it was quite hard to, to, to play that, um, from New Zealand. Um, it was sort of the, the changes that wizards made, made it almost impossible to qualify for pro tours from New Zealand. Cause we didn't have regional PTQs. Um, you had to fly over it. If you qualified for an RPDQ by winning a PPDQ, you then had to fly to another country, Australia, in order to play the um, just to play the RPDQ. So it became very hard to qualify once I fell off the tour. So uh, I eventually gave up um, uh, playing Magic, and then uh, uh, yeah, I mean James had told me a few times um, that he was making this game and sort of um, talked talk to me about it here and there, but I didn't think too much of it. And then he sort of um, yeah, he sort of said that he was going to launch it. Um, I had I'd been off Magic for a couple of years at that point, um, and uh, yeah, told me that you know it's um, he's really designed it to be. Uh, a game where the, the the better player would win the majority of the time, that it w- wasn't, you know, the variance was going to be lower and it was going to really reward um, hard work and skill and passion and and said that I'd really like it. So I, I thought, you know, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. I'm, I'm, I'm keen to, um, to play some games again and a bunch of old friends through Magic and through, you know, 10, 15 years ago and stuff, we're going to come out and try it as well. So I was like, yeah, but yeah, really keen to get involved. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, the, at the premiere event, um, which was, uh, just before welcome to Rafe dropped, uh, that, that James was putting on, I, I turned up to that the night before and learned how to play, um, and met up with an old friend of mine, uh, from, from magic days, old Kale McCreese. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think him, him and I eventually ended up playing a set of 50 games. Um, oh, just 50. <laughs> literally 50 games of the Irodic mirror throughout that night, uh, recording every game. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I definitely got hooked from there and, and kind of have been playing flesh and blood, you know, welcome to Rafe came out and I got right in and I've been, I've been playing ever since. That's what I was going to say. I mean, it's, it seems like a lot of players have, um, a very similar background in terms of what card games that they've come yeah. from. But what fascinates me oftentimes is, what other outside influences do they have that either leads them to flesh and blood or enhances their flesh and blood skill? And for yourself, you said chess. 
and uh, we've had other players on on the uh, on the podcast, people like Dalen Mack, who have professional football careers, who use that discipline and and uh, you know kind yeah. of translate a little bit of that. And can you talk to us a little bit about how chess has influenced your skill set in terms of flesh and blood. What are the translations, or what can you take from being a good chess player to being a good hard player? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is discipline and planning. Um, so, so sort of thinking ahead, um, kind of eking out small advantages, uh, and kind of setting up plays. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I mean, just general game strategy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess planning and forward thinking is, is, is kind of the main thing. Um, and yeah, it does translate, uh, to any sort of competitive game really. Um, and especially kind of the pressure elements as well, um, of having to look at a kind of large range of decisions, um, and come to, um, you know, sort of your optimal line within the time pressures. Right. And, and, and I mean, and ultimately there's just, it's just a matter of strategy, discipline, practice, understanding game plans. Um, you have a unique, well, I wouldn't call it super unique, but a very, um, noticeable element to your gem ID in that uh, it kind of <laughs> speaks to the fact that you have been there. You are one of the OGs in terms of how long this goes to. Kind of one of those situations where, uh, you know, like how how old are you? Well, my phone number is is one <laughs> digit. That's how old I am. But your your gem ID is just four digits. Yep, four four digits. Yep. Whereas uh, everyone else, I mean, like for myself, I have to have it like burnt into my brain i don't i don't know my social security (laughs) number i don't know my phone number but my gem id is essentially burnt into my brain like there's a limited amount of real estate in there that it that in order for me to remember that i had to forget like five different birthdays so Uh, yeah i mean that's probably not the end of the world you got calendars for that right yeah exactly that's the phone is for but the gem id is important but yours is just four four digits and i always found that fascinating (laughs) it's like yeah so i i think i think that that's a bit of a throwback uh to the old old magic days as well um is that the very early adapters of magic had uh low dci numbers um uh, you know, just just a few digits, um, and uh, I think I think that was a cool little throwback that James wanted to do. So I think the people that got in maybe before Arcane Rising, so maybe just uh, and, and and welcome to Rafe, the people that signed up uh, have four digit GMID numbers. So, so cool. there's not a huge amount of us. Uh, you know, we used to grind at game stores uh with like five of us turning up and stuff for a little while for, for the old local armories and whatnot um and mostly just new zealand and i think a few australian players but yeah just sort of the the people at the very start so maybe of people playing today there's this uh i don't know maybe 100 or 200 or something uh, so people cool. with four digit yeah it's so cool <laughs> but i mean us eight digit scrubs essentially is a nice sign the fact that the competitive scene is has been growing uh, fairly steadily. Yeah, absolutely. We've, I mean, even the the calling season that we had last year, the the road to nationals, national season, and now all the callings that are starting to ramp up for 2022. There's a lot of players that are out there just playing the game. But furthermore than that, there's a lot of players that are improving. The existing player base yeah. that was there beforehand are getting Massively. better. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to inquire with you because you being there i mean you're the world number one and this is not meant to take anything away from you but like the field as it was back then is not wasn't as vast and possibly wasn't as good not to say that you are not up to the test who obviously 
improve and adapt and continue to you oh, know i'm washed i'm washed it's <laughs> over. I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm holding on to this i'm holding on to this thing for dear life hey i'll hold on to this title as long as i can i think i think Tarek messages me like once a week being like i'm coming for you and he sends me little <laughs> videos of like you know <laughs> you're not gonna be number one and whatnot but <laughs> well, yeah he, he always makes sure that he reminds me of the the montreal canadian score and the leafs and how the the disparity between the two like there's no there's no catching up to Tarek for me but he is nipping at your heels but it's not just oh, him. yeah absolutely i mean it, I, it is only at my heels though i mean you know Tarek's not gonna take a big bite yet <laughs> i mean at the same time you're a fairly tall dude right you're like what like yeah. six two six three yeah 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 so six, yeah. yeah he's a at least at the very least it's the heels that he has to get at first but exactly the, the field in general has been getting better and i'm just curious in terms of your your um most recent tournament forays and and getting into back into the scene have you has there been a, a very noticeable increase in terms of the overall skill set of the players you're playing? Are, are those quote unquote gimme matches or those matches where you're like, all right, like I know this much better than everyone else, so I can get away with some moves? Are you finding that just the more and more matches are becoming more and more challenging for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think uh, yeah, kind of the average skill is is has picked up tremendously. I guess especially in the last sort of six months, um, and I think there's some some real undiscovered talent out there. Um, you know, even even just this weekend when I played, uh, I played two American events, uh, two two Las Vegas ProQuests. Um, managed managed to take the gold for home in both of them, which was pr pretty cool. But um, yeah, like uh, a, a lot of these local players uh, that I was playing against were, um, yeah, just, I guess, I wouldn't say surprising me, but sort of like uh, pulling off some very, very impressive um, uh, strategies against me, I guess. And, and uh, yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like I had some very close games and, and, and there was some, some massive talent there. And I think we're seeing that more and more, um, certainly at, at the, at the calling I played, um, uh, at nationals weekend, um, there, there was some an incredible talent that I played against as well. So, um, yeah, I, I do think, I mean, I know arrogantly, a lot of the New Zealanders sort of claim that, Hey, we picked this game up first. We're ahead of the rest of the world and whatnot. Um, and, and for the most part, I, I agree that that was true for some time, but I think that gap, um, has, if not fully closed has, is very close to closing now. Um, and I think that there is uh, some talent all around the world and people are, yeah, there's some really, really, really experienced, uh, and tactical players coming out. Do you feel like there's perhaps a target on your back, not just being Matt Rogers, but being the number world number one? And and when you're playing against certain players, like I, I there must be a degree of you know you're 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 like that rock star, right? Like you're 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 <laughs> you're you're one of the um, you're, you know, how do I say this? Like you're you're the most wanted player at the moment, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it, like there's a bounty on you to a degree where. There is clout in terms of even if it's the first round of Swiss or or whatnot, you know, if you beat Matt Rogers, that's something that you can stick yeah. on your resume. <laughs> no, no, it's it's definitely cool. People definitely celebrate the wins, and it's a lot of um, it's kind of a lot of fun being that that boogeyman a little bit. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> to, a really cool to, nickname, to by honest. the way. I mean, we could definitely hammer that down, like the boogeyman. Oh, no, let's not. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be known as the boogeyman. The boogeyman's scary. <laughs> that's the yeah. You're Matt Rogers, man. You're scary. I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not scary. <laughs> that's I, definitely not my mo. That's not yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, yeah. There's definitely a bit of that, uh, and it's a bit of fun. And uh, you know, I, as I say, target on my back. Like I get. 
as they say, I get messages from Tarek like every week. Like you know, some people, some people are trying to trying to knock me down a peg. They're, they're definitely coming for me. And and uh, yeah, I think I think that whole thing's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of be one of the early adopters and be able to um, yeah, sort of be be one of the better players. Uh, uh, early on in the game for a little while, and we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll see how long I can kind of hold on to that for. He's ruthless, isn't he? Tarek is so ruthless. Oh yeah, he's absolutely ruthless. <laughs> like he is just yeah. He just he just finds his avenue, and he's like, yeah, I'm just gonna keep pressing this button until something explodes. That's the kind of dude he is. So Pro Tour on the way. You'll be playing in the Pro Tour, and uh, we mentioned yeah. we we spoke about the field in general, and you know just like but. We spoke about the field from the perspective of just the, the, the global player base. And the global player base is not just expanding, but it's also improving. Uh, but what about the field of the Pro Tour? There have been so many Pro Tour winners. I've been to so many Pro, uh, pro Quests. Um, you know, yeah. And of the names that you've seen out there, what is your first assessment of this, this, this you know, growing field of players who will be participating in this Pro Tour in New Jersey in May? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, there's no point in even starting to name names here. There's so much talent that you're seeing win over and over and over um, across all of the countries, across so many of the progress. But yeah, it seems like there's there's definitely a lot of teams that are coming together and a lot of groups and stuff that are really putting in the work that are that, that are doing really well. So I think I think Pro Tour, we're going to see something uh, that we didn't see as much of in the early Magic days, where you know there's like uh, twenty. 30, 40, whatever it is, like groups of testing teams uh, that are kind of coming together. I remember a, a lot of the magic things, there was, you know, kind of the, the CFB teams and the uh, Star City teams and a few game store teams and stuff, but a lot of the... Um, you know, uh, yeah, there was kind of these bigger coveted teams. I think in in, in flesh and blood, we're going to see that times ten. <laughs> we're going to see a lot of groups of people that are figuring out some very advanced strategies. Um, uh, yeah, across across the board. And in terms of the meta, I mean, as it is now, there's going to be no other uh, supplemental sets or, or base sets or or whatnot expansions that are going to going to be coming out for this uh, before ahead of the pro tour. So. What we what we see is what we get essentially in terms of the cards, not necessarily the meta or the decks or how they're developed, but the card pool is what it is. It's basically set in stone before, ahead of that. And your your you know view of what the meta is currently, we've got this triangle of doom, you know, this viscerai prism starvo uh, trifecta that um, you know some people might consider it as being uh, not necessarily bad for the game in a, in a regard, but people are they get tired of things when they're not necessarily in flux. And the way that I usually yeah. approach this is. You know, this is not something that is is just localized to one card game. There is always, the, you know, the cream of the crop bubbles to the top. That's no, basically yeah. it goes, right? And yeah. the fact that we have three viable options, eliminating one would make everything completely worse. And if you hate Starvo or you hate Viscerai or you hate Prism, eliminating one makes everything 100 times worse. And that would needs to be understood here. But in terms of what these three decks are, is there one in your assessment right now, um, you know, and we, we can... When I asked out there to the audience and I and went out to the the community and I said, you know, Matt Rogers is going to be on the podcast. Do you have any questions? I think that yeah. the the lion's share were meta related and, and these three decks related. So um, you can kind of we'll dig into them uh, in the go again section as well, because there's a lot more specifics. But how about your your idea of how this meta has developed since Everfest and, and where you might see it progressing towards? Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting, really, how it's developed because the triangle was sort of like, uh, you know, Prism beats Starvo and Starvo beats Viscerai and Viscerai beats Prism, right? But 
I feel like that has kind of mixed and changed a little bit and there has been a bit of flux there. Like I think, you know, um, the Viserai decks that have built more OTK, those are the decks that were losing to Starvo more and I think those are now kind of the best position decks against Starvo. Um, you know, uh, Starvo was destroying the sort of aggressive Viserai decks because they just had so many blues and could kind of outclass them all the time. But now these more controlling Viserai decks are able to kind of switch that up a little bit and i think before prism was absolutely destroying starvo and and starvo just didn't seem to have a chance well now i think that starvo's gotten some really good tools and they're starting to win that matchup more now as well so i do think that even within this triangle things are constantly shifting and moving um so it, it has been pretty interesting but i think my overall assessment at this stage and it's still a little bit early to tell but i do think that starvo is quite good um and is probably the best position of the three at the moment but it all kind of depends on uh on the strategies and, and whatnot but i think the the thing that i the, the the issue i have i guess with this format and I, I i know that it is something that you just touched on and said well you know we've got three decks or whatever but i do think that that starvo and the way that that deck operates does push out a lot of aggro decks or a lot of other decks in the format like i i was um you know i was testing dash um a little bit for this core lane um and i felt like i got it into a really good place but if starvo just reveals a you know, uh, too many times. I just, I just can't win. There's nothing I can do, um, and I kind of felt like that way for a few things, like Lexi as well, and 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 whatnot. And I, I, and it does leave me to sort of be like, oh man, this format would be so cool if we removed one of these decks, <laughs> which right. is completely contradictory to what to what you just sort of said. But um, while I agree with you. Uh, in in you know in some aspect there i also feel you know there's also that what if that sort of what if like what if starvo was removed from this metagame could it be really really interesting and i feel like there's something there i feel like we're close to being a really incredible metagame but maybe uh maybe yeah just some of that unfair things that are happening in, in one deck in particular is kind of pushing a lot of the other options out I, I've always figured in, in certain regards, I mean, like Starvo at times feels like it could play control to a degree and it could also yeah. play, it could play very aggressively. And in my mind, when you have the finger on both those buttons, you can pivot very easily uh, based on your matchup and sideboarding is not necessarily so much of an issue all the time. Whereas, yeah. um, you know, if you're playing, let's say, uh, if you're playing like an Earthbriar, a lot of the times the on-hit effects are really not that devastating or you don't care. It's just vanilla damage. You just soak it up and you're good to go. Whereas the Starvo, with the Oak and Olds, the Crippling Crushes and such, there is a massive penalty that you're going to face, yeah. which just completely like locks up your, your follow-up turn. So trading damage to maintain momentum and maintain tempo is oftentimes just a Starvo-style game. They're always going to win that one because you're playing yeah. at a penalty. So... That leads me to this next question is, in your assessment, do you believe that perhaps there is any or any bans or erratas that might be on the menu in the short term ahead of ProQuest? Or is this something that perhaps ProQuest is going to be seen as as the as, as the snapshot as kind of like the the exhibit A of of, you know, like when when Starvo's on trial, so to speak, you know, this is yeah, the, so this is the, the submitted evidence in terms of how it's going to be penalized. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the right solutions are. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not one of those people that just says, hey, we need to just constantly ban things and, and errata things and stuff to just keep it balanced. I know that in any card game, it's almost impossible, you know, with so many mathematical elements, it's almost impossible to have a balanced game. You do need bannings and, and, and whatnot to do it. But I don't think that that should be, that you should be kind of too trigger happy on that. That should be the first point of call every time um you know my my true opinion of the last format was that the briar bands really weren't needed at all um uh, i agree with I... you there i agree <laughs> with you there i thought the errata was oh, like was probably just enough or, or to a degree but i felt that if if you i don't mean to interject here but just if you if yeah. you had if you looked at some of the trending of future tournaments because the part of this is the fact that there's no online client where you can just jam a, like that there's a server that's essentially hosting thousands of games a day where this ed, yeah. this this can get parsed out quickly. You need these major tournaments for the meta to evolve and take and and have and you know take stock into what's going on, assess what's happening. And as we were continuing to progress, Briar was not just um, you know dominating the top eights like it was you know six of eight, five of eight. It was yeah. starting to you know succumb to um, the players adapting, improving, and getting away from Briar to that degree. So I think that Starvo might be able to have the same effect if people can, you know, start being able to counter it. So, but um, yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean to inject, but yeah, it, it, like with time, I think that Briar may have gotten a little bit of the, the rough end of the stick there had time just sort of caught up to it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think there just needed to be a little bit more information and a little bit more things figured out. I think like, you know, particularly with, um, you know, Briar came out kind of, early in the national season and in the middle of the point where people had already done a lot of testing and whatnot. Um, and then after that, there was this time to really figure things out, but there was Australia and New Zealand nationals coming up. So all of the players that were focused on figuring the format out, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't in their best interest to, to put that content out there or to sort of, you know, put anything out there. So everybody was kind of focused in. And I feel like almost every team figured that format out um, and, you know, we saw that in Australia and New Zealand nationals with not a whole lot of briar in the top eight uh, and certainly not winning those events or, or making the finals of either of those events. And I feel like, um, yeah, just that information didn't didn't get out there uh, timely enough because the people that are focused on figuring that out and have have the best abilities to figure that out, um, you know, they, they either had something to play for, uh, you know, if they were in America or Europe or anything like that, they had nothing to play for. So there was no point in them figuring it out, you know, that they just weren't incentivized to. And the people that were incentivized to kind of had to keep it under wraps. So, um, yeah, so I kind of understand that they made the bands. I do understand it, um, you know, uh, for the local scenes and stuff. But yeah, in my opinion, uh, that format with Briar was, was probably the best format yet. I think that was an amazing format and there was a lot of viable decks. I mean, there was six different decks in the top eight of nationals and all six of those decks were, were very, very viable in that format. And I feel like, yeah, you could play any of about seven decks in that format um, and, and, and uh, win the tournament on a, on a given day with any of them. So um, yeah, I do think uh, that, yeah, I, I guess I hope that we figure some same things out in this format for the pro tour, but I think there's also this outside thing. Um, there is, there is this potential outside chance um, or something that I'm quite hopeful for uh and that's that starvo uh 
breaches living legend status. <laughs> <laughs> so basically <laughs> just climbs the mountain high enough that he falls off, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that would make the Pro Tour really, really interesting if, if the format kind of switched up. Um, and I don't know whether it needs to be a thing of like players need to test for both eventualities um, or, you know, whether Starvo is going to be in there or whether he's going to be living legend if he gets really close or, or what the sort of situation is there. Um, but I think that the format without Starvo for the Pro Tour could be super, super interesting and a cool way um, for for people to, yeah, kind of uh, figure figure everything out again without a massive amount of information out there and a lot of viable options. The most important part that I pulled out of that was that you considered the Briar meta the good old days. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> no, no, no. The, the crew meta was the good old days. Oh, welcome, <laughs> welcome to Rafe Arcane Rising Crucible. Man, that, that, that's the GOAT format. That is the greatest format of all time. Those days were fantastic. It was like, um, that was like pre-chain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-chain. Yeah, chain, chain was not good. I, I, I've enjoyed every format except that one. <laughs> So your your assessment or your prediction would be that there's going to be no bands or erratas uh, ahead of the pro tour. Uh, I'm I, I'm not I'm not so much saying that. So my my assessment is that there's a possibility that Starvo becomes living legend, um, and it kind of depends, I guess, if they're going to like cram a few more callings in before the pro tour so that it can get points there. Because um, I think from ProQuest season, I think we're expecting him to get maybe 700 points, six or 700 points or something like that. It does seem like he's going to win the majority. There's 250 events. You get six points per event. So if he wins half of them, that's, uh, yeah, that's 750-odd points or something around there. Um uh, so I do think he's going to get a lot of points there. And then if there's enough call-ins uh, before the pro tour, it's possible he just scrapes over that thousand mark potentially. Um, but yeah, I do think that there's something else that may, maybe LSS could do where they, uh, you know, sort of, instead of doing bands and erratas, um, they shake up the format by saying, I, I don't know how exactly they do it, but maybe they come out and say that, all right, Bravo is going to hit Living Legend status in the next couple of months. So what we're going to do is we're going to preemptively Living Legend him for the Pro Tour. So uh, Pro Tour is going to be without without this hero that is clearly going to hit Living Legend status within a month for the Pro Tour anyway. Uh, so let's start this format out, out without him or some, something along those lines. I don't know. I don't know if the right strategy for them is to cram enough uh, cram enough extra callings in just before the Pro Tour so that he inevitably gets there anyway, or whether they they do something like that and give the players the heads up to start testing this format without without Starvo. But yeah, personally, what I would love to see and what I think a lot of people would love to see is a Pro Tour with a kind of slightly fresher format than something that has already been played right through ProQuest and callings and everything like that. The way that you kind of assessed it and the way that you're, you're predicting it to a degree here with the, you know, jamming in a few extra callings just to get it over the top. It kind of yeah. like it's kind of like throwing extra feed into the, the turkey, the, you know, to the turkey before before <laughs> yeah. Christmas to fatten it up so you could slaughter it on time. You know, so <laughs> I like it. I like that. That's that's perfect. That's kind of the analogy. Like, uh, throw some more grain in there. Throw some some, some other stuff. <laughs> Christmas is next week. We got to it's got to hit weight before we eat it. So. Uh, all right. Well, that's that's a very fair assessment, and and I'm really looking forward to it. Again, the fact that you if you can go into a pro tour where it's everything's fresh, where everybody is yeah. in their own secret labs working on their spicy brews, so they show up and you know it's it's basically a crapshoot. That's 
the dream. Like I love that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I think so. Well, I think a, a lot of the Magic Pro Tours, um, are, you know, were, were generally a number of weeks or month or two within a new set release. So it was always quite interesting. I think, yeah, I think you want a little bit of freshness or a little bit of change just before a Pro Tour because then it becomes so much more exciting what people are going to do. Like, you know, if you have a Pro Tour that's the same format as a bunch of callings and ProQuests and then on the pro tour everybody just turns up with the top you know three or four decks it's so much less exciting to watch whereas if people turn up with all of these unexpected things and new and fresh and exciting lists and strategies and and everything like that it's just such a it's something it's you know something to get really invested in as a viewer right so i think uh i think i think it'll make for a way cooler event hey as somebody who doesn't have any pro experience or such to me it's all about making good tv man and yeah. uh, like that <laughs> it's got to be part of it yeah absolutely like you know part of the song and dance is, is is you know the flash and bang of the the spectacle right and the fact that if the top eight is just fairly bland i mean it's hard to inject a little narrative to keep people interested ultimately it's the players in the top level play that that dictates the the entertainment obviously but I'm, yep. I'm with you, man. It would be nice to see things. Uh... We, are, <laughs> we are your circus animals, that's for sure. This right after the slaughtering of the turkey analogy. So. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, 100%. Like, I, you know, if your top eight is four Starvo, two Prism, and two Viscera, it's like, you know, uh, at that point, and they're all the known deck lists, at that point, everybody's like, well, we know how all these play out. Like, is there much point in watching the games? Like, we know that, you know, with this deck list, this is going to beat this and this is going to beat this and this deck's probably going to win or whatever. Like, it's just, you know, it's so much more exciting when it's new and fresh and unusual and you're not 100% sure what's going to happen. So you definitely want to watch the game, right? Like, Basically. I mean, you need a, you need a hook. And uh, yeah. after the players, you know, the names that are there, I mean, the hook oftentimes is the spicy brews that are there. So... I'm yeah, with you, man. 100%. It'd be nice. Now, uh, car playing cards is not just your your only form of, uh, I suppose, and not just hobby, but you've also started your own card grading uh, system, your own card grading company. So uh, yeah. talk to us a little bit about Premier Card Grading. Yeah, so uh, Premier Card Grading, uh, PCG, uh, obviously we're, we're a card grading company uh, trying to take on the big boys in the industry, um, PSA and Beckett, uh, and uh, yeah, have a much more kind of focus towards TCGs, uh, you know, the people involved in, uh, uh, in that company kind of uh, at the executive level are people that have been in the um, you know uh, Pokemon industry for you know sort of 20 years magic industry flesh and blood Yu-Gi-Oh um, Dragon Ball Super as well uh, you know just sort of people that have been really um, invested and focused on, on on the trading card game industry so it so, sort of has an aim to become your tcg grading company i mean we do have aspirations and we do have future initiatives and stuff where we want to branch out a little bit more um you know and potentially go past uh, tcgs do sports cards and 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 uh, much the like there but yeah we're sort of you know bringing in a kind of industry experience and focus where we're we're all collectors ourselves we're all people that have graded cards um over the years uh uh in in this industry and we're all people that are very passionate about our our, our games so um you know by having a company where the exec team are, are people that are massively passionate about tcgs 
uh, particularly, I think that, uh, you know, it's really a way to kind of get a bit more of what we want as collectors and players um, uh, out of our games and, and out of grading our cards. Um, friend of the show, I will say, a gentleman by the name of Brian Basoko, ProQuest winner and yep. wrestling aficionado, Brian Basoko. <laughs> yeah. Uh, asks uh, asks this. Uh, he asks, uh, starting a business that has traditionally been dominated by two names, the two that you mentioned, uh, what challenges have you faced? And has uh, pairing with Channel Fireball helped you get past some of those challenges? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm the sort of person uh, that I always... I'm always kind of looking at things and thinking of better ways to do things. And really it kind of, it, it frustrates me and really gets to me when there's something that I'm passionate about that is just not really hitting the level of expectation that it should. And there's, and when I know that there's a better way and I can implement a better way and we, we you know, we can kind of optimize uh, our process and things around this and kind of meet people's expectations on things. So I always get frustrated um, kind of, you know, yeah, kind of being on the outside and, and it gives me a bit of passion and drive to do it myself. If I, you know, if, if I truly believe uh, in myself and the people around me that we can, we can make things better and we can create positive change in an industry. Um, so it was definitely that way with, with, with card merchant um, and, you know, uh, local game stores. So I started card merchant uh, about five, almost six years ago now, um, which is a, a local game store brand in New Zealand. But when I started, I started it in a city with about 11 other <laughs> local gaming stores and everybody sort of said, I'm crazy. And why are you, you know, trying to, Tr you know trying to do something that's been done so many times and you know nobody else is doing it is doing it incredibly well so why do you think you're going to be any different uh anything like that and i i sort of you know i just identified ways to make positive change and um when i implemented that uh it, it for lack of better words it, it, it works you know um i really built a business around uh you know around the community and the passionate people around it and sort of listening to feedback and creating systems and optimizing, um, you know, I, I guess everything from, uh, yeah, sort of just the way we do things. And I, I grew that brand, um, you know, from a tiny little gaming store to now uh, the most recognized brand in New Zealand. Uh, we, we've got four stores. I've stepped away from that company now, but, um, you know, to, to focus on PCG. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of the same sort of thing as, you know, um, obviously that was New Zealand and kind of smaller scale and looking at the bigger local gaming store brands and being like, oh, you know, we've got to take those on um, and whatever as a small little store. But, you know, now, now we're the big guys uh, in New Zealand. But I really think that uh, it's, it's been the same sort of thing with PCG. You know, obviously I'm a small fish and I'm literally, you know, uh, over on the small island in New Zealand or whatever, but I truly believe that there are so many better ways to do things in this industry and that uh, people just haven't been, you know, that the companies that are leading this industry just aren't meeting expectations. And I, I know that it can be done better and I'm passionate about the industry and I want it to be um, the best it can be. So, uh, yeah, so I, you know, um, I've kind of leaped in with the, aim and the hope and just on the basis of i'm going to do it right i'm going to you know i'm going to listen to feedback i'm going to give people what what they want i'm going to you know get systems consistent systems together um and uh and and and, and just follow through and and um, take the same learnings that from 
um, from my game store franchise and, and, and put that into practice here. And, you know, whether I, whether I managed to catch the big, the, the big guys in the industry or not, I don't need to, you know, focus solely on that. I just need to focus solely on doing the best job I can and, and, um, you know, kind of living up to, up to people's expectations and doing all the right things. And then hopefully it all kind of, uh, come hand in hand. So, um, and yeah, I mean, channel fireball, obviously a, a, a big, a big part, um, of getting us off the ground, um, initially, like they are, they are a well-known brand that has been operating in this industry as one of the bigger brands for 10 plus years. And, you know, I'm a little nobody over in New Zealand who wants to open a grading company in multiple countries in the world. So, uh, it, you know, it was definitely a smart choice to, to pair up with, uh, with, with somebody that's got a bit of trust um, and, and, and uh, experience in the, in the industry on an international level. Otherwise, we're just a small New Zealand company um, right. that, you know, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, pairing up with Channel Fireball has been fantastic. And then we're paired up with Good Games and we've opened and, uh, you know, in, in three countries now and we're opening in a fourth one uh, next month. So, um, yeah, it's really helped to kind of propel and power forward my vision and what I'm, you know, what, what I'm trying to do here. I really appreciate the fact that you mentioned sometimes where it's out of your hands. You know, if people, like you mentioned, if the big fish want to want to bite, then they bite. But the best I can do yep. right now is basically just do the best damn job that I can do exactly. and let the chips <laughs> fall where they may. I, yep. I, that's uh, that's a mentality that I always appreciate, and it's great to see it in other people as well. And sometimes that's what I have to lean on. And ultimately, sometimes if you do things the right way, you work hard, things will, will fall where they may. And more often than not, it's going to be a positive outcome. So... Um, I know that I've been, uh, I, I have within arm's reach is my, uh, Star Wars CCG collection. I've got some, uh, foil daughter of Skywalker, uh, yeah. you know, um, Endor expansion decipher Star Wars CCG cards that I am waiting to get graded. And I have honestly <laughs> considered, I have legitimately considered th- sending out my, uh, my premier first edition Vader's and my, uh, Obi-Wan's to get, to get graded. I don't know if you guys do Star Wars CCG. No, no, no. So we, 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 um, we only kind of do the main ones and we're starting to open up more. So we do, you know, we started with magic, flesh and blood, Pokemon, uh, and Dragon Ball super initially. And then, um, we rolled out MetaZoo shortly after that and rolling out Digimon at the moment. And we, um, yeah, we, we, we're starting to kind of one by one roll out the other games. Um, just, uh, just making sure that we get, uh, good training and industry experts for each game system before we roll them out. We don't want to just grade everything and say hey we can do everything and then all of a sudden we're making all these mistakes and um you know catalog errors and stuff with the cards so we're making sure we do take it step by step um and just just roll out one game at a time after receiving extensive advice and testing from uh you know uh experts and uh within within that game itself okay because there is a you know there is a demand out there all seven of us uh are are desperately waiting to get our star wars cards graded so uh, when that opens up, I will be sending you a box, my friend, and I uh, want them all, all right. graded. So I can't wait. And, and your six friends. Which are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they're still my friends by then. But I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm very, very uh, excited for you and your company in this because I've always found the challenge, especially like you mentioned with the t- the two others, is oftentimes it's either um, massively expensive and and not worth it to that degree and otherwise i'm just thinking that it's never worth the value and untrustworthy or the turnaround time is like 
11 to 12 months to see my car yeah, back. Yeah, so <laughs> I understand that there's a demand and everything, but I, and again, I, and I wish you very much success with that. And I think that it's so far it's going Thank well, you. but yep. I have to ask, do you grade some of the cards or is that given up to, to, to another authority on that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do, I, I have graded cards. Um, generally I don't, I sometimes sit in on the checkpoint one. Um, so within our circuit, uh, there, there's, uh, there's, there's checkpoint one, which is basically after the cards already been graded by someone else, a second person, um, uh, goes over the card and kind of checkpoints it off. Um, you know, looks, looks at the markings that the grade has made, um, and then looks through the card over the card to see if any, anything's missing from the grade sheet, uh, and then checks on the, on what they've marked as, um, you know, the, uh, kind of the, the the marks etc that they've identified and kind of checks that they agree with those so it's sort of a second look um so i sit on that uh from time to time and i, I want to make sure i'm always jumping in on on at least checkpoint uh in the different offices throughout throughout the world every couple of months to sort of make sure that um that the grading standards and the the, the the stuff coming out of the grading room is very consistent and sort of stays aligned to our to our grading standards so um yeah I, I had mentioned, I think you were on, uh, I forgot which event it was. It was one of the, either calling or nationals or whatever, but I had, I had saw that you had all your equipment and such was graded. And yeah. <laughs> the comment I had made, as I said, if anybody ever wants to question Matt Rogers' humility, he gra- he graded his cards only a nine. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I didn't grade any of those cards. So, uh, to the to the grade of the no, no, no. no. Um, yeah, I mean, as part of our system as well, everything's just through barcodes and a, a serial number. So, when 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 a, when an order gets submitted to us, um, the uh, it's it's put into a grading. So. Um, it's put into a grading box and then barcodes are printed off. So every space saver or top loader or whatever, um, a barcode's placed onto that and a barcode's placed onto the box and nowhere on anything does it have any names. So no grader ever knows whose cards they're grading. All they have is numbers. Um, so everything, everything is graded um, very fairly throughout that and also within PCG uh, there's a rule that if I want my cards graded um, you know Australian office has to do it if an Australian staff member wants their card graded you know or or uh, or US or, or, or whatever, they have to have that card graded either in the US or in New Zealand. Um, so uh, to, to, you know, just sort of take out any of the conflict of interest there. Um, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, I submitted kind of kind of my favorite um, cards or the cards I was going to play with and, and the, the grades I got were the grades I got. So well, um, yeah, a few of my things are nine. There's a couple of 9.5s there. I think I have a 9.5 stalagmite and a 9.5 um, uh, time skivers. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, there, like I mentioned, it's just it's cool to see, and I, I do wish you further success with it as it's already well underway, and it's good to see that people Thank are you. still trusting you with it. And again, I know that establishing a reputation in in that field could be challenging, but I think that yeah, definitely. you know, like you mentioned, the mentality of just do the job correctly, and people will eventually come around, and success is a natural consequence of just doing the job correctly. Um. And I mean, you've you've already made a name for yourself as the world number one player in Flesh and Blood. Your card grading company is taking off, and that's awesome. But is there any other aspirations that you have now as a Flesh and Blood player? I mean, is it world championships that you want to knock down? Like, what what is the next echelon for Matt Rogers? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely, I'm going to be going pretty hard uh, after Worlds. Like, I would, you know, imagine, just just imagine that etched into history. I mean, there's definitely a few years down the track, I'm probably going to be some nobody. So there's definitely, like, some, uh, you know, just how cool would it be to, to have that etched into history that you were the champion of the world at something once, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I definitely would love to be the world champion or the first world champion. Um or a pro tour champion, uh, something along that line. So I am going to be, you know, pretty dedicated to try and achieve that. Um, you know, it's an it's an incredibly hard feat, and you know, you, you have to you have to not just be playing at the top level and and uh, and and make sure that you're you know well beyond prepared, but also have a, a massive amount of luck on the day uh, uh, to be able to do it. But um, yeah, I'm going to give it all I've got. Um, that's definitely an aspiration of mine, and uh, and yeah. <laughs> Damn right, Matt Rogers. <laughs> I like that. I like that. If, you know, there's. I, I like to hear that there's still some gusto in there. You've, you've, you've there's still some rungs to climb to get to the top. So. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. keep it up, my friend. Again, uh, you know, just success with the company, success on the uh, on the battlefield as well. We do Thank have you. another segment called Go Again. Will you join us for Go Again, Matt Rogers? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always good for going again. Let's go. Damn right. All right. We will be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with a segment called Go Again right after this product feature from BCW Supplies. As always, we're very thankful for our friends at BCW Supplies for hooking us up with some excellent swag that I want to share with you guys. Today's product is the Deck Vault 100. Deck Vault 100, it is a wicked ass case for your deck and it does uh, pretty much what you need it to do. It's not one of those gigantic ones that you lug around It could carry like 100 decks and like 9,000 dice in case you want to open a casino somewhere. No, this is a different story. This is quite compact. It is the Deck Vault 100. This is the leatherette version and I'll show you just how this works because this bad boy quite frankly impressed me a little bit. First of all, the case itself, quite smooth. It's got that leathery feel and it's very secure. As you can see, I'm shaking it like this. It's a magnetic clasp, but nothing's happening. And I'm not just saying this because it's empty. This bad boy is full. And I'll tell you what is going on in here. So this is what I like most about it because typically the deck boxes that I would bring, I like them small and relatively compact, but then I still have a, you know, pocket full of dice. Not this time, because fiddling around in your pockets, getting dice, losing them all around, you want everything kind of consolidated into one nice box. Well, one slides out, boom, there is the deck that you need. Fits about 100 cards, no problem. They're all sleeved and ready to go. There's my Katsu list, if ever he becomes relevant again. But now that, other than that, you still have this little drawer here that is where you put the dice. So fill this bad boy up with all the dice you need, your counters, everything. Hey, you want to jam some, you know, counters on um, some auras that Prism's jamming out with shimmers? You could do that. You could also jam your deck in here, walk around, no big deal. And I'm telling you, it just looks nice. It's compact. It's clean. It's the Deck Vault 100. Check out BCW Supplies online. Use the code ISP10. Get 10% off. 10% off. Any order. All your orders. There's no limit. Keep going. I'm telling you, this is really good stuff. This is really good stuff. I am sold on it. I will be taking this to the next uh, tournament that I'll be playing uh, this weekend. This is the Deck Vault 100. BCW Supplies. Use ISP10. Get 10% off. All right. It is time to go wide on Matt Rogers as we go again. See what we did there on a series of questions, rapid fire style. But uh, don't be shy, Matt. If you got something to say, say just just say it. So if you are ready right. to go again, we can go again, Matt Rogers. 
Yeah, I'll remove a counter from the chamber. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. My first question, my always favorite first question. Now, I know that we were joking around a bit at the uh, U.S. Nationals, and uh, I had to ask, does Matt Rogers dance? Now, I'm not going to ask you that on, uh, on as the first question, but the first question is, what is Matt Rogers' hidden talent? Hidden talent. Oh, I, hidden talent. Oh, these. Yeah, okay. This you. You just hit me with this. I don't know. <laughs> um. Ah, hidden talent. Oh, I know. We're gonna it, have it, to cut this section. This is that's. that's oh, a, <laughs> you're on the hot seat now, buddy. Yeah, now that, it that's could... a bit of a hot seat question. I, I honestly don't know how to answer that. I mean, my talents are pretty out there in the open. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like, there's <laughs> not a whole lot hidden. <laughs> that's that. You know what? That's a good answer. And like, I've had some interesting ones in the past. One of them, I think, was like Tannen mentioned he was like the world's greatest Mario golf player. And, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying that they all have to translate into like worldly success like mine. Mine is I have an encyclopedia of everything Star Wars. But is that ever going to, yeah. <laughs> you know, is that ever am I ever going to get like elected to office because I know, you know, what what cell block Princess Leia was was, you know, incarcerated in on the Death Star? No, it's not going to get me anywhere. But Matt Rogers, if you have all if all your talents are on display, man, that is good enough. Yeah, all my talents are on display. Honestly, I'm. Uh, yeah, this 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 is me. This is what I love. You know, the card game industry, uh, everything around there, and the community and stuff. That's that's what gets me up in the morning, and that's uh, that's my whole thing. That's kind of <laughs> you know. <laughs> all right, we'll say humility. That's that's the. We'll just say oh, gosh, humility. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, question number two is coming from a good friend of mine by the name of Tommy Fresh, who host of the Fresh and Buds podcast. Awesome person. Yep. Awesome dude. He's asking you. What is your overall take on the health and longevity of flesh and blood leading into Pro Tour New Jersey, which he then has to quantify as being the greatest state in the union? New Jersey is not the greatest, the greatest state, state in the yeah. union, but uh, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think I think the game is very, very healthy. I think, um, you know, we're just seeing more and more content creators popping up almost every week these days. There's so much content, you know, it, that used to be a big problem, I think, with Flesh and Blood and something that scared me a little bit uh, earlier on is that there wasn't a huge amount of information and content and stuff out there. Um, but now through the likes of yourself and so many very talented and, and and driven people there is so much out there to get involved in and to watch and to enjoy and to be entertained by um and i think that's really really healthy for the game so i think that coupled with just the fact that we have such an incredible community um you know i've I, i've played games and i've run game stores so i've kind of been involved in a lot of different card game and and uh, uh you know sort of tabletop communities over the years and i do think that flesh and blood has something very particular and very special about it um and i think that that uh you know that that is a, a huge power and a passion behind the game and the heroes and the law and you know your your deck and, and everything like that you know this huge passion that people have for this game i think that is what's gonna stand the test of time i think that's what's gonna carry the game forward um so I think that that's a very healthy state to be in. And I really do honestly believe in, in flesh and blood. I believe in the company. I believe in James White. Uh, and I believe in the people that surround this that have all gotten behind this game. So um, I, yeah, I think that flesh and blood's in a great place. More and more people are playing it. You know, it's hard to name that many game stores that don't carry it um, uh, uh, these days. And, and, you know, more and more people are getting involved. And I think with this, 
2022 organized play season, uh, you know, and a million dollars worth of events and all these pro tours and call-ins, I think more and more people are getting involved um, and, and kind of coming over and trying out the game and trying out the, the sort of competitive circuit and, and, and whatnot. So I think the game's just going to go from strength to strength at this point. I agree. I like it. All right. This one coming from the world's number one ranked uh, Mario Golf 64 player, Ken and Grace. <laughs> Uh, and he asks, besides yourself, who do you believe is the world's best flesh and blood player? Well, single. He, he wants a name, a single. No, uh, I like honestly. There's so much talent. There's you know, there's so much talent coming out of Australia and America and you know Singapore and stuff. I, I've I've honestly watched and played against so many incredible people. There's no way. There's honestly. Honestly, from my heart, there is no way I can give you a single name there. Um, I think you know a lot of the a lot of the guys that I'm testing with uh, and and talking to and 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 watching stuff. There is some incredible talent everywhere, um, and I think there's going to be yeah. I think there's going to be you know the pro tour is going to show us some of the best. Um, but yeah, I definitely can't single it down to a name. This game's still a little bit a little bit fresh and a little bit you know uh, new and there and and there's so many talented people involved in it that i don't think you can come down to a name of the best player or you know it's it would even i, I would even struggle to name you know your top five players in the world or, or anything like that um i think that i think that the pool's a lot bigger than that all right so but we can agree on one thing it is not tan and grace it, yeah, <laughs> it is definitely not tan and grace i'll be honest <laughs> great guy though definitely one of what one of one of my world's top favorite people in flesh and blood um i'll give him that um you know i i love tan and he's he's a lot of fun um and uh commentating with him at the uh at at uh, nationals and and um uh yeah was 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 just a load of fun and he you know made that experience i mean with yourself as well you guys made that experience incredible um, i appreciate so I, that I, I have a lot of time for that human i appreciate that i mean uh, we yeah. do have a quota on this uh on this program where we have to at least have one dig at tan and grace per episode so <laughs> so quota met once again we're uh, where we've got a hot streak going and a uh, little known fact ladies and gentlemen if you do see uh, if you go back to U.S. Nationals and you go check out the um, the broadcast of, of Tannen and Matt Rogers together, the very dashing-looking sport coat that uh, Matt Rogers <laughs> was wearing was actually my sport coat. So yeah. I, I have... Uh, really? At, was it? It, it, it? You've definitely never mentioned that before. I've I mean... easily mentioned it. That, that is how I got you on this show. I said, I'm going to come back with a favor one time. But uh, yeah, on and on and on about it. Yep. <laughs> after you win worlds, after you win worlds, that that sport code is going on eBay as a game worn Matt Rogers. Uh, it's like the it's like the Matt Rogers spring tunic is what it's going to be. So uh, uh, honestly, I mean, I've learned a valuable lesson. If I need a pin or something, you are the last person I'm asking. I'm never borrowing anything off you ever again, forever. <laughs> um, next question. This one coming from Collision Point on Reddit. Uh, sorry, not Reddit on uh, Twitter. And um, this uh, actually you alluded to this a little bit before because you were mentioning you were messing around with Dash. And the question here is, is Dash competitive right now? If we don't see uh, metrics in the next set, then then she may not receive any support in the end of the year with an additional supplemental set. So if there's no, you know, mechanologist support coming up soon or whatnot, is she just sort of DOA a little bit here or is Dash sort of secretly good? 
Yeah, I think I think Dash has some legs. I mean, Tarek laughs at me every time I say it and teases me about it or, or the rest of it, saying that this, you know, you're trying to hold up this one deck or whatever. But no, I honestly think, I think Dash has a very um, uh, unique play style. Um, and it is it is a bit of a meta deck, though. It is very good at, in certain metagames. Um, and we just haven't had the right metagame for Dash for a little while now. Um, but I think that if some things change, if, you know, if things, uh, yeah, fall out of popularity a little bit or pushed out by other decks and stuff i do think that there's definitely a point where dash will likely come back in and, and be a be a top contender again i think that it has some really good matchups um but the problem with a very particular play style like dash is it has some great matchups but also some unwinnable ones or, or very very bad ones um so it really depends on on kind of what strategies people are on at the moment because if, if, if people are playing things that are very good against kind of set up decks like dash uh it can be very hard to win so um yeah i think dash is always going to have its place in the metagame and i think it's going to come in and out of favor o- o- over the years is my opinion um and i i wouldn't counter out i wouldn't you know i mean I guess I did a video where where I I did the kind of funeral scene with Dash, but you know that is a joke. You don't have to put her in the grave yet; like she is going to come back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't pull the plug because there's still a heartbeat there, right? So yeah, hundred percent. But I think I think right now in this meta, she doesn't quite work. I tried very hard uh, to get her to work in this meta game, but unfortunately, I I didn't get over the hill. Uh, maybe somebody else will. Maybe some somebody's figured something out there, um, and that'll be really cool. I would love to see that uh but yeah personally i wasn't able to crack it on this one no worries all right next one coming from uh, a very very heavy hitter in the flesh and blood community yuki lee bender a champion uh in her own right as well asking do yeah. you think there is a clear quote-unquote best deck right now or do you feel viscerai starvo prism the uh you know the, the triangle of doom are yeah. relatively close in power level you spoke about this earlier but if you if you were to say that there's just a, a flat out best what would that be uh, I think Starvo is the best deck of this format. Yeah, I think Starvo kind of earns his name as the best deck at the moment. I think that, uh, you know, when when Starvo's targeted and there's a target on his back, you know, the, these other two decks, Prism and, and, and Viscerai, um, you know, can can get close uh, in games um, and, you know, can can even be favoured against Starvo and whatnot. But I think overall Starvo uh, does, ha- you know, kind of has the best overall strategy against the format um, and ability to kind of win, game, you know, percentagely just have a better win rate than any other deck. Um, so I do think that he's kind of the, the boogeyman of the format, the best deck at the moment. I thought you were the boogeyman. No, we decided that you were not the boogeyman. <laughs> no, no, we're not doing that. I'm no, not no, we're not doing it. All right. <laughs> uh, next question coming from Session Blood on Twitter asking, and, uh, and I guess yeah. these are all going to have, uh, you know, they're all from the same menu more or less, but they're going to seem a little deja vu. But uh, do, you think sure. that, do you think Pro Tour number one will be won by the big three? Um, or... You know, they call it the big 3.5, saying that chain kind of chain is, sort of in there. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, the other, and or is there some kind of a meta breaker that that has a chance? I mean, ultimately, we know that the the big three are the big three. The triangle of doom will always be there. Like the way I describe it, I'm like, look, yeah. it's a triangle. Whether it's an equilateral, a scalene, or an isosceles, it's still a freaking triangle. It's just the angles are different. But in this yeah. case, is there is there some sort of other 
uh, way to to perhaps break this that you think that that has a chance even like if if we were to sort of warp this question a little bit to change it a little bit sorry session blood but we've, we've <laughs> you didn't about, quite ask the right question yeah, sorry I'm guys to, <laughs> try, to, try to give it a little bit of extra putting some steak spice on this but uh, yeah. what you know if it's not let's just say if it's not one of these three what would possibly have a nice kick at the can yeah, um, like it's yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, if the format stays like it is now uh, and gets very solved, then I think it's probably most likely going to be one of the three. But if the format changes a little bit, like there's a living legend or, or something, I think there's you know maybe six or seven different contending heroes that could take it out um so i think yeah it could be could be really interesting but i mean in saying that even if the format's exactly the same you know as i said as i sort of said earlier there is gonna be like 30 plus teams of people that are really focusing in on this pro tour um and trying to crack it so you know maybe somebody is going to come along with this levia deck that's just uh that's just completely left field and nobody really you know uh, was prepared for it or understood and it just wiped everything out um you know it's it is uh, yeah it's definitely possible that another thing comes along but yeah my pick would be that if the format stayed exactly as it is now it is most likely to be one of the one of the kind of top 3.5 decks Aye. and if it changes i think there's every possibility that it could be anything um levia you are a dreamer mr matt rogers i mean I, yeah okay maybe, maybe that was a stretch yeah that is absolutely <laughs> uh dreamland for you yeah. um this one coming from you're talking about senseis this is my sensei uh mr dalen mack and this is yeah. one of the things we practice together a lot and he is an incredibly good player and the the go-to phrase for mr dalen mack is always Come on, Flake. One more game. One more game. One, one more game. game. Yeah. One more game. <laughs> I mean, that, that's definitely me. You should ask Aaron Newson. <laughs> well, this is and this is a nice prelude to what the question is from Dalen Mack asking, how many games a day do you play? Uh, I mean, not that many. Um, like, I don't play every day. Um, realistically, I play uh, like maybe once a week, probably even less most of the time. Um, I, I do have a lot of things going on, so I kind of don't get a whole lot of, you know, kind of two or, two or so hour blocks and where I can just um, uh, 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 play games. Um, so, yeah, definitely not a huge amount, but before an event, um, I'll sit down and, and, and try to nut some things out. A lot of my stuff's on theory. Um, I am often talking about flesh and blood with friends all the time. You know, I got group chats with Rob Seigel and, 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 uh, and, and Tarek and, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the best players and I'm constantly like throwing back and forth ideas with people, um, and trying to come up with different ways, um, to, to attack or you know strategies or ways to play matchups or to attack certain decks and stuff like that so i'm constantly theory crafting i do a lot of that you know that is definitely daily um and then oftentimes i'll turn up to a tournament with that theory craft and roll the dice on whether i was right or wrong <laughs> all right you hear that dalen mac get off my back okay there, there, there's a there was a time once where dalen we're, we're, we're all together we're chatting he's like man i had a dream last night and i was playing against a chain player and they played Seas of Agony, and I called the judge because I know it was banned, and I got a warning. He's like, I'm like, you need to just, bat you need some time away, man. Like, yeah, I, I think, I think at that point it's become, yeah, if you're dreaming about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just getting there. All right, last yeah. question for Mr. Matt Rogers. Again, we're circling back, baby. Does Matt Rogers dance? 
Just Matt Rogers chance? No, is a hard no on that one. My 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 coordination, like hand eye coordination, like anything in terms of like throwing a ball or dancing or anything. Honestly, I am terrible. Like I just like that is not my thing. <laughs> like I I was never good at any sports. Um, I could never. I'm sure if I danced, I would stand all over anybody's anybody's toes all over the place. Like I'm just I'm a bit of a klutz. Um, and uh, yeah, my. <laughs> I've never just yeah never never been good at that sort of thing uh you know like I mean at it at a wedding or at some you know uh um some sort of things like I might I might get up and boogie a little bit but it's not going to be much and it's not going to be a sight that you want to see at all so. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right this is a little addendum to that question if you don't dance I mean I, I I'm trying to organize a karaoke outing at either pro tour or at Indianapolis so I I you know if the I always ask people what their carry go to karaoke song is, but if you're if if you don't dance, are you the one singing? Is that what's going on? Uh, no, I'm pretty tone deaf as well. That's um, <laughs> like <laughs> I can't sing for sure. Um, I, that's that's not where my skill set lies either. Um, I'll definitely come along to a karaoke night. We did a we did a massive karaoke thing uh, after nationals, and we 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 crammed over fifty people into one tiny room. There's a video somewhere on the fan page that somebody posted of it. It was crazy. We literally crammed fifty people into a tiny karaoke room that's built for like. I don't know eight at max um and we all and and we just had the mic going around and we all just uh it was it was a lot of fun and a lot of craziness that sounds um, awesome yeah <laughs> so I'm I'm definitely in I'll come along I'm in I like it all right that is a uh that is a Matt Rogers guarantee my friend it has been an honest pleasure and uh you have done this this podcast a great service by just sharing all your wisdom and and your your good personality and everything uh you are an icon of this. Kind, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking the truth, my friend. Like I don't, I don't just. Uh, I'm not here to. Like I said, uh, I called in my favor, so this is it. Now I'm just speaking from the heart, buddy. So it it really does mean a lot that you come on the show and and what you do for uh, for the flesh and blood community. And I wish you immense immense success to uh, beat the living hell out of Tarek at Worlds. That's what I oh, want to yeah. see. Oh yeah, I mean for sure. That's that's happening. <laughs> okay, perfect. No, but no, no, honestly, thank you and thank you for what what you do for this community as well. You know, you know, um the the, the content that you're making is incredible and you really just and an all around pretty good guy, except I just don't borrow your jacket. But um, <laughs> like, no, but it's 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 a lot of fun. You've made this very easy and very smooth today as well. So um, yeah, just just thanks. Just uh, yeah, big, big thanks for what you do and who you are. No worries. Keep doing and it <laughs> for all of those out there who do, who do not necessarily know, uh, you know, how to get more content from Matt Rogers. You you write for Charitable Fireball. You have content all over the place. You are kind of a ghost on Twitter, but uh, if there are somebody who wants to go ahead and get in touch with you or get more of your content, where can we get more Matt Rogers? Yeah, Twitter's Twitter's new for me. Uh, Tarek Patel actually made me download it and set up a, tw a Twitter account like only a few months ago. Um, so yeah, I don't really log on to that much. I'm not a big sort of socials person um, uh, for you know uh, for social media, but um, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Um, I do I I. Yeah, I, I do go on Facebook pretty much every day. So, um, yeah, can, can get in touch with me on Facebook. Um, and, uh, you know, anybody that comments on any of the videos or any of the content I I, uh, I put out, I make, uh, you know, I, I definitely try to make an effort to, to answer questions and to talk to people about it and stuff like that. Um, I'm not so 
yeah, I'm not on. I think somebody mentioned before there that people were asking questions on Channel Fireball's YouTube channel that I wasn't seeing. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not super on there. It's always best to comment on Facebook. Um, so I post up every fab with Matt on the fan page, and then people that comment on there, I, I, I did, you know, um, get back to every single person for sure, uh, and and love to just answer your questions and talk about fab and the and the stuff that I was talking about in the video and whatnot. So um, yeah, that that's definitely the easiest way for me. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit of a <laughs> I'm a little bit of a dinosaur with that uh, with technology and, and social media and such it's never been uh yeah <laughs> ne never been a huge point for me but um I am on Facebook it's it's all good I mean like you said you're a busy guy and I'm on Twitter now Tarek got me on Twitter so I do I am I probably log into it maybe once every two weeks but I'm on there <laughs> you're there I mean that's exactly if there's a, like the one good thing that Tarek has ever done uh this year is put you on Twitter so uh, that's his good deed for the year, and he can go back to uh, sending you hate mail and, and <laughs> reminding you that he's nipping at your heels. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Matt Rogers, thank you so much for doing the show. And to everybody who listens, again, don't forget, you're not losing. If you're learning, keep playing the game. You might win. To all our Patreon. Yes, we have a Patreon for all our Patreon uh, wonderful subscribers. Thank you for supporting the show. Again, we'll never hide anything behind a paywall, but uh, your support does mean the world to me. Catch you next week, ladies and gentlemen, on the Instant Speed Podcast. Whoa.